Well, it's a good Saturday morning, and welcome to Hidden Treasures Revealed. Once again, just here to speak about the truth of God and the truth that comes with the faith that we have in Messiah. Have you ever wondered, is there more to the Word of God than just words on the page? Join us for an in-depth journey into the truth of God by means of open, Socratic conversation. In Proverbs chapter 2, the Word of God says, If you accept my words and store up my commands within you, turning your ear to wisdom and applying your heart to understanding, indeed if you call out for insight and cry aloud for understanding, and if you look for it as for silver and search for it as for hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. Welcome to Hidden Treasures Revealed. Well, the topic we have for this morning is one that's been on my mind for a little while um, because it's important that we get into these things. When we talk about having faith in God, we also have to recognize that the existence of God is an existence of the enemy. And what's interesting about it is God was the one that created the enemy. And it's another interesting thing is that in the beginning when uh, the aspect of good and evil came about, the uh, real idea of it, when we look at good and evil is really function and dysfunction because we kind of in our mind we we make it as though well uh, god made satan the ugly thing that's going to be and it's no as a matter of fact god created satan as well as they created the earth and uh, that which you see in it. And remember in Genesis, God said that is everything is good. Now, that didn't mean everything is perfect. It wasn't, this creation of the earth was not intended for, per, per, for, yeah, for perfection at this point. But it is intended for perfection in the end. That even the scripture says that uh, even the creation was turned over to corruption. Yeah, because it had a function. It had a purpose. And it's the same thing with the enemy was part of that creation, the creating of the angels. And in that, we have the, the scriptures that say that God said it was functional, which it is because Satan serves a purpose, serves a function, but not everything that serves a function is going to be beneficial and in the presence of God. And that's something that, that is important to, uh, to understand when we talk about 
Satan, and we talk about good and evil, and people perceive evil to be you. You all, you can clearly see it that they're, uh, you know, they're they're murdering people and they're uh, doing all this stuff. Like somebody might put it to the cartels or to the um, mafia or whatever direction you do it, but it's always got this ugly look to it. And that's why we're doing this podcast today to really give a broad picture of the enemy and how they come at you. Because if you're just looking for the enemy through the things that don't feel good and the things that you perceive as ugly in your life, then you're very easily deceived because just as well as things that can come to you that are good in your life that are actually not functional for you, there are also things that can come from what you perceive as a bad perspective, but it's functional because it's functional for learning if you're seeking God with all of your heart. And so as we, you know, this is one of the things that I uh, dug into Gosh, this was even before I met you, um, and I had just I had written down a bunch of stuff about you know about the uh, spiritual battle and uh, dealing with the enemy and really digging into it because the objective goal is have you ever heard the saying keep your friends close and keep your enemies closer. Now, you want to really, the, the objective goal is you want your friends to be close and you want your enemy to be at a distance. But from that concept means know your friends, but know your enemies better, which means know everybody from an equal perspective, but you're vetting everybody to come to a determination of whether they are a friend or foe. And you can't tell at the very beginning whether somebody is a friend or a foe. You have to really pay attention and watch what they're doing. And are they really doing this for me? Or are they doing it because somewhere in their lower conscience, they're trying to position themselves for favor? And I can tell you, without faith, that's what everybody's doing. Because that's what you're trained in the world. And you're trained by the enemy to favor self. And you do everything for yourself and you will do everything for yourself that you think is best for you, which means you're loving yourself. And we have the word of God that says, love your neighbor like yourself. Well, without the fullness of faith and without having Yah's guidance, you don't have the ability to overcome that selfishness that drives you, that everything you do, and people will argue and say, well, no, I did it because uh, I really wanted to help this person. But it's because in your conscious mind, that's what you're putting the reason for it. But in your subconscious mind, where it's below the consciousness, you're not conscious of it, that you've been trained, you've been programmed, you've been brainwashed in this world to be selfish. <clears throat> and therefore... Your selfishness takes over, and you can't help it. 
It's not necessarily with intention. Yes, some people will do it with intention, but probably the greatest majority of people uh, who are perceivably, you know, people say, well, they're good people. Now, there's something in their lower conscience that's driving them to do it for selfishness. And again, I'm not saying that it's intentional, though it can be, but it's not seen. And if it's not seen, you don't understand it. You don't see it. You don't know it. And if you don't know it, you display that behavior without really realizing that what you're doing. And that's part of why, you know, Messiah forgive them for they know not what they do. Stephen, don't, don't hold this sin against them. Why? Because they're acting out of their programming. And until you completely destroy the programming that you had in the past and replace it with godly righteousness, then you're, you're just going to do things out of selfishness. I mean, it's uh, selfishness drives to self-preservation and you're preserving yourself. And the best place to be is have the one that draws terror everywhere if they want to and have them on your side, be their friend. Don't be their enemy. Don't give the perception that you're their friend. And then you're going to stab them in the back and you don't even know it because it's in your lower conscience because you still have the sin nature. You still have that stone, that rock that covers your heart and you can't get away from sin. So you're going to stab God in the back. It's just a matter of time. And so it's important that we recognize that there is an enemy of God and that we are on a battlefield, whether you see it, or not. The, the battle is raging on. And in order to get truly past it, not past the battle, but, but past the, uh, the lies and the, everything that are being told is you have to really dig in and you have to really evaluate what is the enemy? What direction is the enemy coming from? Because I promise you that you have friends in your life that are not your friends, that when it comes down to it, if it comes down to them or you, it, they're going to choose themselves. And it's interesting because you, you have, like, somebody might go to jail. Well, I, I went to jail and I, I didn't snitch on the, the people that I was working for. You know, why didn't you snitch? Because if I snitched and they found out about it, then... I would be dealt with. So you, you perceive it as, well, I'm doing this for them because I'm not going to, I'm not going to give them up, but you're not giving them up because you're worried of a more, uh, of a harsher aspect coming your direction. Uh, so it's just really important that the enemy will use the selfishness that you have within your subconscious that you don't even recognize is there. And they will use it as a pretense that in your conscious mind, you think you're doing good for somebody. And in the reality, you're not doing good for them at all. There was a, a trigger word, a word that I'd just rolling some things in my mind. And it was the word lie. 
and talking about Satan, the enemy that he's referred to by Yeshua himself as the father of lies. And I'd actually had this thought this morning that I looked up the word lie and a lie is an intentional false statement. So knowing what you're saying is false and you bring it out anyway, and Satan is referred to as the father of lies and he has no truth in him because he's been sinning from the beginning. He's been lying from the beginning. There's only two sides you can be on. You can either be on Yah's side, which is the truth, or you can be on the enemy's side, which is lies. And the enemy knows the truth of God and even telling us that you don't think I know that book better than you do, that I do know it. And because I know it, I know how to manipulate it. I know how to deceive you. And if you're not seeking after the truth, then you're just going to fall into my lap and I know what I'm doing. You know, do we think that the enemy was just walking around in the garden of Eden to, you know, I have no idea what I'm doing. I'm just, you know, going here and there and, no, he knew that Yah's truth was spoken, but I'm going to take it and I'm just going to, I'm not going to bring it to your face and I'm not going to throw all of it in your face and just show you what I'm doing. No, I'm going to, as, as there's a song out in the world, I'm going to be the master of puppets. I'm going to be pulling the strings and you're not even going to realize that I'm doing it. And I'm even going to make you think that, it's Jesus and it's not, it's me. And that's the craftiness. And we're told in the word that we're not unaware of the devil's schemes. A scheme is with intention, like a Ponzi scheme. You know that you're defrauding somebody. You've got a well intended scheme that I'm going to take something that you think that in, instead of you looking into it and really digging, I've got you because you just want it easy. So I'm going to manipulate this and I'm just going to twist things here and there. I'm not going to, not going to show you all my hand. I'm just going to, I'm going to twist things a little bit here and there and get you so I could get that hook to sink in, like setting that hook. Cause I'll, let's see. I know that if I can keep people from repenting and turning away from sin, if I can keep them in sin, then I've got them. And the same thing with Yeshua that I'm going to, I'm going to see, I'm going to tempt him. I'm going to get him to sin against God. And then I got him, you know, I'm going to get him to curse God. I'm going to get him to turn. And once I do that, I've got him and Messiah passed the test that he didn't No, I'm not listening to you get away from me, but it's a, this isn't a flippant thing. This has been going on for a long time. And you mentioned the spiritual warfare that the Bible, the word of God makes it clear about what we need for the spiritual warfare. And the enemy is no dummy. They know what they're doing and they know that people want things easy. People want to just do what they want to do. So I'm going to take the truth of God and I'm going to just, I'm going to take repent and I'm not going to remove repent. I'm just going to take it from, a complete turn to God and a complete turn away from evil. I'm going to take it to you just feel bad. So we'll, we'll leave it there. And then, so 
yes, there is godly sorrow, but I'm I'm just going to make repent to be. You just feel bad, and you you feel bad for your sin, and and then you keep sinning. So as long as you're still sinning, I've got you. And it's just a very crafty thing. And we've even had the enemy come into our gathering and speak to us by the plan of Yah. And the enemy did not want to be there because the enemy had to come out and actually speak and be out of the shadows and actually had to be there. And the enemy of God does not want you to know what he's doing. He wants to be in the background, just like the very famous movie, The Wizard of Oz where he's the man behind the curtain, that he's just behind the curtain. I don't want you to see what I'm doing. I want you to think that certain people are in control, and I just want to do my work. I just want to be in the background. I don't want you to know what I'm doing. And that's the thing. He's the the puppet master pulling the strings to where people will profess that the enemy can't touch me. And the enemy will look at that and say, I've already got you anyway. You can say whatever you want. You're already mine anyway, so that's not a threat to me. You know, what is that? Or, you know, we've got the devil by the throat and we've got him all tied up and no, I've still got you duped in this false message of accept Jesus as Lord and Savior. So you think everything is good, so I've got you. So I'm I'm just going to keep you right here because you're still on my side because now the one that, wait a minute, you're actually turning away from me and attempting to get away from sin. Oh, now I've got an issue with that. No, I'm going to come after you. You're not, you're not leaving me. I I control you. You're not. And then things will happen. But other than that, and, and that's the thing that in this world, the, the enemy is looked at as he's got a red suit on. He's got a red pitchfork and he's got horns and these big fangs and red smoke and fog and, and that, that's Satan, so and, it, and it's all in your face, and it's evil, and all these other things. But it's not all those things. It's, yeah, go ahead and think that's me, but Satan, the light bearer. Interesting that that's, he's referred to as the light bearer, where that has nothing to do with the red pitchfork and red clothes and in your face, but that is out there. So if people will perceive the the evil and the bad and the struggle, that's the enemy. That's not God. God is the sweet and the teddy bear and the love, and that's God. So if it's not that, you know, no, God would never do that. God is love. You gotta love everybody. You you just you just be soft and kind and no. What better way to deceive somebody than to come at them masquerading as an angel of light that I'm light and I'm peace and you just, everybody dies and you just go to rest and everybody in heaven is just looking down on you and you'll get to speak to them. And, and I died and then I was shown my family was just there waiting for me. And yeah, you've got this well-devised scheme that no, I'm not going to, if I came to you the way that I am, because because I've had the enemy come at me the way that he is, it's it's not the picture that he's wanting people to see, and it just keeps people in the lie. And the ultimate truth is is that people that don't seek God with all their heart and really go after it, you decide to live the lie. It's your choice to do that because the word says that Messiah, when he returns, he will destroy 
those that did not love the truth. And if you don't love the truth, then you love lies. And people say, no, no, I was. The ultimate truth is, is if you're deceived, then you ultimately chose to be deceived. You didn't choose to look into it and find a love for the truth. You decided to love your comfort and your selfishness, and you never went after it. And then therefore, you being an enemy of God, because if you're on the side of the enemy, you're an enemy of God. And Yeshua even made it clear that if you're not for me, then you're against me. And if you're against me, then, you know, you're my enemy. So find a place through seeking with all your heart to where you find the truth. And in Messiah, the truth will set you free. But we actually have a story about this. We had brought this up on the podcast before about there was a prophecy about the king of Tyre and really being a prophecy of the enemy, him being in the kingdom, and then pride being found in his heart, finding that he sinned, and then he was removed from his position as being the light bringer. So even in the Old Testament, we have a picture of the enemy being there. But you had mentioned before about Yah creating the enemy, and it came to mind that what genius it is of Yah to do that because it's just like anything is how do you know what the truth is if you don't have an opposite? You have no way to understand and to make a free will choice if there's not a dysfunction there for you to say, no, I don't want this defunct, this dysfunction. I want function. That That's what I'm going to seek after. That it's it's a way to test who are the ones that are really choosing this and who are the ones that are rejecting it. That, all right, are you willing to listen and understand this or do you just want to stay where you are and this has been going on for for quite a while and Yah will continue to allow the enemy to do what they do because you know to figure out who are the ones that are really for me and against me but like you said this is a interesting topic because the word does say that our battle is not against flesh and blood that it's about the principalities, the evil forces in the heavenly places. And that's why that we've, we must be aware of what the enemy is doing so that, you know, we get away from falling into those traps. It's also important to understand that, you know, when we're talking about the enemy and the things the enemy does and how they operate, we're not giving anybody a reason to blame the enemy. Now, I'm going to say that, unlike God, the enemy is not without blame. The enemy is not without blame. But you can't blame the enemy. And what that means is, is that everybody... Every uh, created being is going to be held into account for their actions, for what they do. So the enemy, we know in the end by what the word says, that the enemy is going to end up in the burning abyss uh, for eternity. So he'll be destroyed. And that will be his punishment for his blame in what he did not only to Eve or with Eve, but with 
all those that followed. And then uh, for those who didn't truly repent to God, then they're going to be in the same place that he is. And he doesn't care. He's not looking to build uh, this great party house that he's going to have because the enemy knows that it's going to be torturous torment for eternity. And so it's just really important that you recognize that you cannot blame the enemy for anything that you do, though the enemy will bring things your direction and will tempt you and test you. And that's the whole, the whole, the word that, that uh, secures what I'm saying is the word tempted because if the word was forced, then you could blame the enemy. You know, the enemy made me do it. The enemy forced me to do it. No, no. See, the beauty part about God is they know that they gave you the ability for free will choice. And it was your choice to decide that you were going to do whatever it was that, that came your direction. And because you didn't evaluate it, does it line up with the truth of God? Then you're going to pay the penalty. The, you pay the price for that sin, that wrongdoing. And so it's really important that you can't blame the enemy because you were tempted. Well, tempted is there because that gives you a choice. You're tempted to do something, but you're not forced to do it. The enemy does not, does not have the ability to force you to do anything. And one might argue, well, what about if somebody's possessed by a demon? Well, you're possessed by a demon because you allowed it to happen and you chose that path. And therefore, because if you would have followed the truth of God and the will of God, then you wouldn't have that demon in you in the first place, and therefore it wouldn't be an issue. The problem is, is all the demons that are in people that are just showing up in the pretense of good, in the pretense of favor, when the reality is, is that, no, it's, it's not favor. And so just really recognize and understand that the enemy can tempt you and will tempt you, but God will not tempt you. That's, that's made clear in the word that God does not tempt anyone, nor can God be tempted. Well, the enemy made in the model of perfection, and if anybody wants to look up the reference that we have for Satan, the creation of Satan, it's in Ezekiel chapter 28, somewhere around, um, I'll just give you Ezekiel chapter 28 and let, you know, if somebody wants to discover it, they'll, they'll dig into it. And what it is, is that like you had said, there, there, there's a lament that's given to the King of Tyre, but God is using the, uh, creation of Satan and what Satan did as a representation to the king of Tyre as to what he did because God allowed him to have what he had and then he exalted himself and 
then things were going to, it was taken away. And so if you go to Ezekiel, you'll read where it says he was made in the model of perfection, in the model of perfection, but not perfect. He was not made perfect. Otherwise, he would not have been able to be in a position to tempt Adam and Eve to eat of the fruit. He would not have been in a position to end up in a burning eternity because if you are perfect, you are immortal. And if you are immortal, if you had not have the ability to perish, then you wouldn't be able to be thrown into the abyss. It would mean nothing. And too many people think that, well, Satan's going to be the ruler over the abyss. And it was like, I don't know, I saw a, a thing years ago where uh, somebody was talking about they went, it was one of those died and went to, went to hell and went to heaven and then came back. And when they went to hell, they saw uh, Satan and the demons standing on the outside of the lake of fire and they were throwing people back in that were trying to crawl out. And it's like, no, no, Satan is not rolling over the abyss, that, that place of torment and fire. Satan is being burned in that abyss when they get there. That's why uh, even the demons, when they spoke to Messiah, did you come to torture us before our time, before the time of the end? Are you going to torture us? Oh, no. Okay, let us, let us go into those pigs. And went into pigs, and the pigs ran and ran off the cliff, and that upset the town people and well, you don't think they didn't have a motive. They, uh, fallen angels to have a motive of, well, we can't do nothing to them, but we'll, we'll tempt all these people to push them off the cliff. And of course it wasn't his time. So he just walked back through the crowd and nobody touched him because it wasn't his time. But as we look at the enemy, and that gives you, in Ezekiel, gives you a good understanding of how God created him, what God created him for. And, re- and keep in mind that even in the creation story, the creation of the physical things that we know are a representation of the things uh, in the heavenly from the spiritual perspective. Like when God created the sun and the moon, you have the greater light that governs the day and you have the lesser light that governs, governs the moon. Well, that's a representation of Messiah as the sun and Satan as the moon. The Messiah is the sun. He, he's, he, it's people who have faith in God are considered children of the light, but people who don't are considered children of the dark. So the moon is a representation of Satan, but because he was created as a light bringer, because all angels were intended to bring, be light bringers, that they, when God scattered the stars in the skies, he did that to bring light upon the earth as, as well as the sun, because they were going to reflect the sun and the lesser light is that the enemy is going to 
present to you a gospel, an enlightenment that is no enlightenment at all. It has the perception of light, but you're still in darkness and you think that you've been saved, but you're not. And so we have the stars scattered in the skies and well, what about the demons? What? Well, there's even a representation in the stars in the sky that you have stars that stay, that are steadfast, that are uh, in the sky all the time. And then you have other ones that fall to the ground, you know, shooting stars. And those stars falling to the ground and burning out is a representation of when the enemy was thrown out of the garden of God, when uh, the uh, other angels that went with him, that they were the fallen ones, it's a representation of those fallen angels. And everything that Sat uh, God offers, Satan will offer a counterfeit, will offer something that is in the appearance of God, but of a lesser light. And it's just really important that you you see and you recognize and you know that the enemy is going to offer you things that are going to seem right. And they're going to seem uh, because they know how to talk around the scripture and take and just, well, I'll just take this one from here and this one from there and that one from there. And we put them together. And, wow. See, you're, you're saved. Everything's good. And the reality is, no, you haven't stood in the true light of God. And the reason I know that they were all created to be angels were created to be light bringers because are, are not all angels ministering spirits to those who will inherit salvation. So if you had the angels that were created to bring enlightenment to people who are going to inherit salvation, then certainly the fallen angels are going to bring a different enlightenment to those who are going to inherit the burning in the eternal uh, torment in the abyss. So it's really uh, interesting, but everything God made in the uh, worldly perspective from creation has a spiritual understanding behind it as well. And we need to know that and know that there are fallen angels and the angels were not created perfect because if they were again, a perfect being cannot be uh, destroyed and removed. And so it's just really important to understand Satan was created, but it was created for a purpose that purpose was to uh, bring temptation so that sin would arise in this life so that when the sin arose, you chose to sin, but then God sends his son and says, now, because I put sin in the world, I also put a way out of sin in the world. And it's not going to be the easy path, but you can't blame God for putting sin in the world. If they gave an avenue to get away from sin and their objective goal is not, is that not anyone would perish. And so everybody has the opportunity for the salvation side, but you really have to be on guard 
and have your head on a swivel paying attention and knowing, truly knowing what the enemy's schemes are. Yeah, you can't get away honestly from a scheme unless you know what the scheme is and how the scheme works. And just interesting as I've just been something I've been focusing on is, is when thoughts come to mind that just to put them to the side and just keep continuing to listen to mother and things will come around. And this came to mind. The word says that the son of God, Yeshua came to destroy the work of the devil. So what is the work of the devil? Because people say, well, we know what the work of God is. Well, do you know what the work of God is? Because if you knew what the work of God is, then you would understand what the work of the enemy is, is that the son came to do away with sin by the sacrifice of himself, the righteous for the unrighteous. So the devil's work, and not if, but he came to destroy the devil's work. So the devil's work is to continue to keep people in sin and not getting away from it. So if I can get you to accept Jesus as Lord and Savior, and you think that because I accepted him as Lord and Savior, he took my place, he's done everything, great, because then you don't repent of your sin, you don't ultimately get away and crucify yourself with Messiah and put sin to death in you, that perfectly fine because as long as you don't understand that getting away from sin and not sinning anymore is the key of it, then I've got you. So you can go on with your God is love and accept Jesus as Lord and Savior and everything is fine. To, you know, that's not going to hurt anything for me because you start talking about getting away from sin and not sinning anymore. Okay. Now you're, you're, you're in a place where I'm going to come after you. And the angels are not able to have faith. And we know that without faith, it's impossible to please Yah. And the angels knew God because they're in the kingdom. They see God face to face. There is no faith for them. So when the enemies chose to fall, it's just like if you fall away from faith that it's done, that you there is no coming back, that once those angels fell, and we've actually had this in the gathering, that when we say that you should love your enemies, it does not mean that you love the enemy. What Yeshua is saying is that you don't realize that those people that you hate, you're in the very same place because you've been an enemy of God and God has loved you as an enemy of theirs at the moment. So realize what Yah has done for you so that when you perceive that somebody's your enemy, no, you don't understand your battle isn't against this person. The enemy behind the scenes is your enemy. So have mercy on the people that are or coming at you as an enemy because Yah has had mercy on you and understand how you've been an enemy uh, to Yah in the past. But Messiah also makes this statement. If the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? So even though darkness is perceived as, well, you just turn the lights off. Well, you can be illuminated with darkness and how great is that darkness until you have the light of God come in. So the enemy is spreading darkness to keep people in the dark until the light of Messiah shines on them to where you can see, oh my gosh, I didn't realize this was 
wrong that I've actually sinned against God and I'm going to get away from sin, that it's just a way to keep people in this darkness. And the enemy's even got people thinking that you can be into all kinds of evil. You could be, you know, a cult leader. You could be into witchcraft and you can be into all these things. And I've escaped all these things because I found Jesus. And unfortunately, the enemy still has you because you assume that because you've gotten away from all these other things and that I'm on the side of Jesus. So I've escaped all these things. And it's like, no, I've still got you in the lie. I mean, it really takes of your own will. You really have to make a decision that you're going to seek God with all your heart and get away from the things that you've known. And as we've said this before, you've got to be willing to put it on the shelf and be willing to put it all aside and actually had this thought, Phil, that we had talked about this recently in our gathering that it was brought out about, is there somebody in the Bible that really speaks to you on who you would like to emulate, you know, who you would like to, to follow? And I was just thinking about this concept with the enemy, and the one that came to me was uh, Jonathan, the son of Saul, and his armor bearer when they were, the story about him going after the Philistines, and I was just sitting there thinking about this, that think about Yeshua as being Jonathan and the enemy would be created to be, you know, the support to be the light bearer. And instead of him walking in humility and being willing to walk in that position that he had, he wanted to be the one in Jonathan's position or Yeshua's position. And he didn't like that. He wanted all the glory and the accolades and it made me think of this is that that's the path is that Yeshua is the example of Jonathan. And when you come to him by faith, that you become the armor bearer, that you're willing to, in humility, follow him to say, do whatever you have in mind to do. I'm with you heart and soul. Uh, I'm willing to go with you wherever you go. And it's interesting that the armor bearer isn't mentioned by name because think about the bride of Messiah that you're willing to, I'm with you heart and soul. I'm with you wherever you go that I'm, I'm willing to, to carry this. And because it says that Jonathan went up and because they said, Hey, come to us. And, and he went and then the armor bearer destroyed the people behind him. And it just, I was just thinking a beautiful example. We have a picture of Yeshua that he's in that role and that we have an opportunity to be the armor bearer, but then with circumcision of the heart, then Yah will say, okay, now I'm going to let you go out front. And I'm going to go behind you and do whatever you have in mind to do. I'm with you heart and soul. So it switches. And I was just sitting there thinking about the enemy that, no, I want to be the one that's first. And it's like, no, that's not your place. Messiah is the one that, that is the way and you're to follow him. No, I want to be the, no, that's not the way it's supposed to be. And, and there's going to be a change here. So don't think that the enemy is just sitting there like, you know, I don't know what's going on. I mean, the it, it's very crafty and it's been going on for a long time. And the schemes are so elaborate that the only way to even be able to understand the schemes is you must find a place to have mother within you and have her guidance because only having mother is you're going to not be able to be deceived because the word says that this is such an elaborate thing that it would deceive even the elect if that were possible. So find a place where you have the fullness of faith, where you have the one that knows. Do you see? Don't be unaware. Do you see what's going on here? Do you see what's going on so that you can 
you know, and not that you embrace the scheme, but you just, I'm, I'm aware of what the enemy's doing. I'm not going to focus on the enemy, but I know what he's doing out there. And, but I'm not going to be, you know, cause it says that the enemy is a, a roaring lion going around seeking for people he can devour, you know, just like a lion. So the enemy's out there, but there's just so many different, uh, schemes and things going on that people just assume that they're on this one side. And it's just, it, it's just sad that like we were talking the other day that you can, somebody can have a question and you have a hundred different answers instead of just give me the truth of this. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm just tired of hearing all these opinions. Tell me what the truth of it is so I can know it. And without Yah, um, without mother that you're not going to be able to even understand the truth of it to even be able to tell people. And this isn't where we're, we are not in this telling people to go out and yeah, you'd be looking to find the enemy and look into the enemy. It's not necessarily that it's just to be aware of what the enemy and the demons are doing so that you can come to understand that, wow, there's just so much going on here that I'm not seeing, you know, yeah, help me to see where I've been deceived by this. Show me the truth in this so that I can understand and get away from all of this false teaching and, you know, all these things that are just not beneficial. Well, it is important that you do a study of the enemy because you, you really want to know what the schemes are so that you can stay Mm -hmm. away from them. But if you don't watch how the enemy used people from the old Testament, use people in the new Testament and giving people the perception that, that they were right. You know, look at, at Paul and Paul had the, the perception that he was right and being told by the end, yeah, you're right. And you need to kill these Christians because they're, and so Paul at one point was listening to the enemy thinking that he was listening to God but it was in a time of spiritual blindness for him that he didn't recognize in his conscious mind he wanted to do what was right for God. But he was listening to the enemy and the enemy directing him to kill the people who are bringing the true message of the Son of God. And so uh, this doesn't just pertain to Christianity. This pertains to every other religion that's out there that doesn't follow the truth of God, uh, because they think that they're doing what their God wants them to do. And it's in the pretense that it is the God of the universe, but they don't realize that it's just Satan taking on another name and giving another perception of what is right and what is, you know, what you should do and how you should do it. And so, I mean, it's really important that people study uh, through the word of God and study it through watching people and watching what they do, not telling them what they do, but watching what they do so that you can see it in yourself and make those changes in yourself. And I promise you, like Sean said earlier, that when you decide that you're going to figure out the schemes of the enemy and you're going to truly have faith in God, then you're going to see some stuff that you didn't see before. And then when you have faith in God, you get to see even more because you've been enlightened. And that's why Paul said, we are not unaware of the devil's schemes. But even with that scripture, 
people will be like, no, we, we, we know what the demon, we, we know what the, the enemy's about. He's a liar. And you think that it's going to be a bold faced lie that you're going to be able to tell the difference. And it's like, no, it's just a, a slight tweaking of the truth. And that's all it takes is just to distort it just the slightest little bit. Because once I distort it the slightest little bit, then I do it again at the slightest little bit. And each slightest little bit that I change it takes it. And over time, like the whisper down the alley, it eventually becomes something that it never, never was in the beginning. And so this isn't just important for people who are uh, in Christianity to figure out the schemes of the enemy. This is for anybody who's in the world that wants to claim faith in God. You don't realize that you're being deceived by the enemy. And so it's important for everybody to make a study of the enemy of God. And through creation, God made it clear that they exist. And if they exist, in the, then there's going to be an adversary to God, but the adversary cannot overpower God, and therefore they're not perfect. They, they're not, nor can they be perfected. And so as we look at things with the enemy, um, I had said before that I did a uh, in-depth study on the spiritual battle, and this was, gosh, probably gosh, 18 years ago or better. And even now, I, I could quadruple the amount of information just because of having the enlightenment, having the light of the sun, which is mother, uh, to give us things. But uh, one thing that the, the word says is important for people to understand is that your battle is not against flesh and blood. We, we put too many battles against what other people are doing. You know, it, oh my gosh, I can't believe, did you see what they did at the Grammys? And this is such a big thing and we need to stop this. And we, you're not going to be able to stop it. You're not going to be able to correct things in the world that are worldly. You're not going to be able to fix the environment uh, the environmental problems, you can do your part to make sure you're not adding to it the best you can, but you cannot fix it. The, this world is in a, a downward spiral from a corruption perspective, and it's going to continue that way. And there's not anything anybody can do. There's no law that can be passed. There's nothing that can stop it because the word says eventually it's going to get to the point where the earth in order to be perfected, will have to be heated to such a temperature that all the elements will melt back into place. All the elements will go right back to where they, uh, what they originally were, but it will be in a perfected form, and therefore it will need, uh, it will have no more corruption at that point. So you cannot control the corruption that's in the world. In faith in God, you can control the corruption that was in you that you're continually driving out. But that corruption is so uh, seated in your subconscious that you don't see it, that you have to dig into it. You have to really shake it up and figure out 
where these things are affecting you in the subconscious. But the reality of our battle is not against flesh and blood. Too many times we get frustrated and aggravated and angry with somebody else because of what they're doing. And it's because we're not understanding the enemy's schemes because you're not looking past that person to see that, yes, they're choosing to do these things, but I can see the enemy sitting there pulling the strings and putting thoughts in their mind. And people don't think the enemy can put thoughts in your mind where that's, it's a fact that you can, the, uh, old Testament with David, it says that, uh, that Satan incited David to a prideful act of counting the fighting men of Israel. And he counted the fighting men. And there was a consequence for that, that, no, don't because that's a you're you're depending on the numbers of people that you have, and we have many stories in the Bible where you you depend on God, not on the amount of people you have, because even Abraham I just read this recently. Abraham, when he went against the kings, when he had to defeat the kings, do you know how many people he took with him? 318. That's it. 318. And they didn't defeat just one king. It was multiple kings that they went out and they defeated. Gideon, about 300. Well, I haven't read, because I was reading the story of Jonathan and his armor bearer, and it said that... um that saw that they had went to war, that they had went to war against the Philistines and that Yah threw the Philistines into confusion where they were killing each other. And then they just went in and just continued. And it said that Yah made it to where that they were fighting against each other. And that's the thing is that you have Yah on your side. I don't care if it's a hundred thousand versus 318, that Yah has the power to throw them into confusion and start killing each other and just stand back and just watch or whatever they want. Right. Because pride is the issue. You think because you have this massive army that you're going to overthrow the Israelites and God says, no, watch this. I'm going to do it with 300 people. We're going to, we're going to destroy uh, hundreds of thousands of people. So the whole concept in that is David lost uh, in that moment. He lost his mindset of, the Lord being the one in charge. Because if you remember when he was 13 and he was going up against Goliath, he was like, what are you guys worried about this, this uncircumcised Philistine over here saying things against God? God will, God will do the, uh, the fighting. God will win the battle. And so he had his confidence in God. But then later on, and this just shows his humanness that he was tempted to in pride. Wow. Let me see how many fighting men we have. And the whole purpose of bringing that up is that Satan incited David. Well, how do you incite somebody if you have no contact with them? If you have no ability to put thoughts in their mind, 
And that's why it said in the word, take every thought captive and make it submissive to Messiah. Or you could say, make it obedient to Messiah. And so that's just an aspect that the enemy is the one pulling the strings in people that are tempting people to do it. Yes. Did they choose to do it? Yes, they did. But your battle is not against them because the objective goal is, no, I want to see you come to the full, uh, the fullness of faith and salvation in Messiah. And therefore I'm not going to hold this against you. That's the whole concept of forgiven. You will be forgiven. It's you're not holding it against that person, but you're holding it against the enemy. But in your holding it against the enemy, it's not you rebuking the enemy. It's the Lord rebuke you. Let the Lord take over that battle. Let the Lord do what he's said he's going to do in his protection of you. But remember, that protection of you is not necessarily in a physical perspective in this world because we look at Messiah. He was killed. He was beaten, hung on a cross, and died. So we can see the same fate that Messiah did by people persecuting and uh, killing the, the people of God, but it's still forgive them. Why? Because they don't know what they're doing. They think they do. They're professing that they do, but they don't really know because if they truly knew, then they would change their ways. They would repent to God and then they wouldn't pursue. They wouldn't do things that are inappropriate, that are harmful to people from a perspective of selfishness. And that's the driving force of the enemy in the world is the selfishness derived in it, is that they're going to use your selfishness to get you to react to somebody and get you to do something that when you move yourself from the moment, you recognize it was wrong, and then you either... Uh, feel bad about it or you try to justify why you did what you did because of the other person instead of owning your own responsibility it's the whole concept two wrongs don't make a right so somebody else causes uh, does a wicked deed and you do a wicked deed because they did it doesn't make you right you feel like revenge is the way and so no forgiveness is the way Forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. They don't know that the enemy's there being the one that's that's pulling the strings. And people who have claimed and claim, I mean, you can see it all across the board in all kinds of different religions, but especially with Christianity, uh, I, I saw this one guy was speaking. He's like, uh, and he's a comedian, but he's like, God's got too many rules. You know, he gave us the 10 and and he's supposed to be a Christian. And I'm like, there's a whole lot more rules than you even know are in place. Just the, if you just take the laws of physics that are immutable, unchangeable, that you can't, you, you can't change them, then add on to it all the concepts of behavior and, and what is acceptable behavior and what is not. And when the enemy... Did God really say we existed? 
did God really say that you you have to follow these commandments to the the letter of the law? Did God say you you have to do all this and you have to be holier than thou? And it's the kind of questions that he started out with Adam and Eve or with Eve. Did God really say getting you, well, instead of like Messiah did? No, God did say that, so I'm not doing it, period, end of it. But Messiah knew the schemes of the enemy because he knew the word of God. The word, when you know the word of God and what it means, then you will know the schemes of the enemy. Yeah, I just put this on my mind. I'm going to share this too. Phil, do you realize that you and I are armor bearers for God? Well, I would hope so. <clears throat> and and th- this came to mind that, and, and the reason for saying that is because for the spiritual battle, that you don't go into a battle without protection. And I was just thinking about the, the, what we have is what we're presenting as the truth of God is the full armor so that you can withstand the devil's schemes because you have your feet with the readiness for the gospel of peace. You have the belt of truth. You have the shield of faith breastplate of righteousness, helmet of salvation, and sword of the Spirit. That we have the ability to explain to people what the full armor is, and not only wearing it ourselves, but also with the help of Yah to help people to see how to use the armor, because it it makes clear that, because you made a statement, and I was, uh, hold on to this, was our battle that when you're in faith that your battle is you you realize it's not against people it's about the spiritual forces now people in the world will still think make it about flesh and blood and that's why that they still struggle but for us okay well we realize that now but with the gospel message it gives you what you need to where you have that helmet of salvation where you know your faith you know that it's secure and you have that protection of your mind and knowing what you have you have that breastplate of righteousness which is circumcision of the heart without sin. You have the belt of truth that secures it all together. You have the feet with the readiness for the gospel of peace. You have the sword of the spirit, which is the, not the Bible, but the word of God. And you have the shield of faith. So all these things, it's meant to understand the, the full armor of God is knowing the truth of God and putting it on and walking around with protection so that you have anything that comes up, you can fight off those arrows of the enemy that they hit something with you. No, I'm not doing that because of this or because of that, because you've got the full armor on, you have the protection. And that's the thing is you're not going to go into battle without your armor. Because if you go out without a helmet, you go out without your sword, you're going to be lacking in something. And the point of it is to put the full armor on so that people in faith are not lacking anything. That, that's the thing with these other religions. And we mentioned Christianity and other things is you may have pieces, but you don't have the full armor of God. You don't have the protection. You don't have or understand 
you're throwing things around, but be careful how you handle the word of God because it's a double-edged sword and it's sharp and it'll cut and it's used for surgery, but it can be used to stab and be careful to know your weaponry so that you don't go out and, and what was it, David, that he was attempting to put Saul's armor on and was too big. Don't jump out ahead of God thinking you got this armor and it's too big and you can't carry the weight of it. No, make sure you're in a place where you walk through repentance, obedience, and trust so that you can have the full armor of God. And then you can stand when the enemy comes after you to where instead of getting hit and thrown down, you can say, no, no, I'm going to walk in confidence because I've got the protection of God and no, I'm going to do this. And that's the thing with, you know, the enemy comes to you and well, surely Lord, this would never happen to you. Get, get away from me, Satan. You don't have the things of God in mind, but the things of man and that we can do the same thing. No, get away from me. I'm not dealing with that. That's not of God. I'm not doing that. And, but if you don't have that protection, then you're just going to keep getting beat down. And that's why it says, put on the full armor of God so that when you have that time, you can stand. And it just made me think of, and it wasn't a question like, oh, Phil, are we really armor bearers? It was more of realize that we are because we have the armor by this teaching to where we can give that to people to where they can then take that armor and put it on and have the fullness of faith and we and, and training people how to use the armor because Yah knows how to use it the appropriate way. It's not us teaching this. It's us presenting it. Yah's the teacher. We're just giving information on this. So I just, that came to mind about the spiritual battle that you must find a place to have that full armor of God. And as you talk about that, it's important to understand that when you have that armor, that is not for you to go out in front of God. You always let God go out in front of you. That's how that other uh, huge armies were destroyed by such a few people was because God went out in front of them and took care of stuff, and then they were able to defeat the armies. But look at Israel when they didn't do what God said to do, and then they decided they were going to go into the battle by themselves, or they were going to, well, okay, now we're going to go. No, don't go, because the Lord said, and they went anyway, and they ended up getting uh, destroyed, and uh, many, many people dying because they didn't let God go out in front of them. They were going out in front of God. And so the objective goal, where the objective goal is the, of the armor bearer, is to carry up the rear guard, the backside of the one that's leading. You know, the armor bearer was behind David, and David was in front. I mean, not David, um, Jonathan. Jonathan and the armor bearer. We know it's interesting real quick is <clears throat> because I read this. David was the armor bearer for Saul. So, I mean, it, it just makes sense is that like the, um, like Abba, like Yeshua would be the armor bearer for Abba. Like they work together. It, it's <clears throat> that it, it's a, cause it was a position of loyalty towards the other person, like willing to give your life everything. Right. And you brought up the story with uh, David when he was young and he went up against Goliath and they tried to put on the armor of man on David and it was too heavy. It was it was too awkward. It was it wasn't uh, fitting for him. But it doesn't mean that he went without armor, because he actually his uh, attitude and his mindset and his confidence in God showed you that he had 
all the armor of God on, ready to head into the battle because the battle belongs to the Lord. And so uh, just really important to understand that there is a difference that he didn't go without armor, but he went with the spiritual armor, which is the armor that we're supposed to put on. And we're not supposed to put up a, uh, well, you come after me and, and then I, then I get to freedom. I can do what I want to you. No, no. Messiah said, turn the other cheek. And when Messiah said, turn the other cheek, it was people going to perceive that to be weak, but actually it takes much more strength that when somebody strikes you for you not to strike back Messiah having the ability to call out a legion of angels to come to his aid, cried out for nothing when he was being beaten, which takes a whole lot more strength than for you to just fly off the handle and beat somebody. Just really important. And that, you know, you, you've got to make sure that you have the full armor of God. It would be like a football player in the NFL like quarterback is, you know what? I don't feel like wearing my helmet today. You know, well, they're not going to let him out on the field. But if they did, what was going to happen? See, the, the problem is, is that the NFL will not let him do that. But God will. If you choose to go on the battlefield without a, the full armor, then go ahead. I'm not going to stop you. Because you have to receive the consequence for going out without the full armor to be able to recognize, yeah, there's a reason that you have those shoulder pads and that helmet and the pads in your pants. And because it's, it's there for protection, if it wasn't, then you would have no need for it. And so the objective goal is that every time uh, in faith, we, we keep the armor of God ready so that when it's time to go to battle we have the full armor on and we're ready to go and that's uh important there's a couple definitions of things that in my research that i looked up uh definitions of different things different aspects of uh, the names of satan what he was referred as um in genesis he was referred as uh, a snake. And uh, definition of a snake, large or poisonous. Uh, the second definition of a, of a snake, the sly and sneaky, treacherous person. Crafty, subtle, deceitful, sly, and cunning. And that pretty much tells you that you better know what you're talking about in order to be able to do uh, what's necessary to put on the armor to go against him because this is why Paul was saying we're not unaware of the schemes. We're, we're not unaware that he's sneaky and he's treacherous and he's sly and he's going to slither his way into churches and get them to uh, be distorted. So be careful don't let that happen to you because we're not unaware of the schemes. We know that he's going to come and try to bring an aspect of enlightenment. Um, he's referred to as Lucifer and Isaiah. 
the morning star, the light bringer, a guardian cherub in Ezekiel, uh, Satan, which is uh, to be adverse or plot against, which him being adverse to God and plotting against God, uh, a devil, uh, a very wicked or malevolent person, and then just the, the definition of malevolent, wishing evil or harm on others. He's referred to as the prince of demons, uh, and that's a ruler who rank, whose rank is below that of a king, uh, is a prince. Uh, demon, uh, the evil spirits of fallen ones. Uh, a demon, it also says, uh, a person that has great energy or skill. Prince of the power of the air. Well, what goes around in the air, you know, I mean, they sound waves. And so he's the prince of the power of the air in this world. Uh, in Revelation, he's referred to as a dragon, uh, as a serpent, the old serpent, or a jackal. Uh, jackal is a wild dog that hunts at night in packs and also eats carrion, uh, which is the decaying flesh of a dead body, anything disgusting or repulsive. Uh, he's the accuser in Revelation, and the accuser is to find fault or blame to bring formal charges against. And then the deceiver uh, in Second John, to make a person believe what is not true to be false, or to make a person believe what is true to be false or betray. I just had a scripture come to mind, just got more understanding on this. It, and you know, it's in, um, I think it's in first John where it says that the one that's of God, that the enemy can't touch them. And it just made me think it's not that the enemy couldn't touch you if Yah didn't allow, but what it means is because it says that he's the accuser to find blame. Well, the one that's in Messiah is the one that's without sin. So therefore the enemy can't touch them. They can't bring an accusation against that person because they're blameless. So therefore it's not that the enemy, well, the enemy can't touch me. He can't know. Be careful. Don't be prideful. Just realize that the enemy is not going to be able to have an accusation against the saints that'll stick because God will say, no, you can't bring this against them because they've been justified. So therefore, no, you're not going to be able to accuse the brethren of this, you know, leave them alone. And just interesting because if we go around saying, well, the word says the enemy can't touch me. And God says, oh, really? <clears throat> okay. Do you really mean that? Yeah. The enemy can't do anything to me. Okay. All right. Satan, go over there and I want you to do this, but don't go this far, but you can do this. And then all of a sudden, God, I don't understand why am I struggling? I'm just, I've got this, just, I hurt my leg and I'm in the hospital. And do you remember when you said that the enemy, Oh no, I'm not going to say that again. Cause we had an experience where somebody said the enemy can't do anything to me. And then all of a sudden somebody beats him up and attacks him. And it's like, don't be arrogant to think that you have any power over the enemy of God, because Yah will allow for you to learn a lesson to say, don't, don't accuse, you know, we're not called to go because I thought of this, we're not called to go after the enemy and say, well, we're going to destroy the enemy. No, no, let Yah be in that position because you mentioned that he was an eater of decaying flesh. 
when it makes sense that he wants the body of Moses, not that he's going to physically eat, but I want, I want to get a hold of that. So I can no, you're not touching his body. Just the Lord rebuke you. Get away from me. I'm not, I'm not in a position to rebuke you. Let Yah do that. But you know, cause he even said that they had an argument over that, but it's just his, it's the enemy's going to do what they're doing, but we're, we're not to go out. Like uh, I've seen in Christianity that, well, we're going to, you know, drive the devil out and do all these things. And it's like, no, leave, leave that to God. You, you find the place to the fullness of faith and draw near to God. And then the enemy will flee from you, but don't go pursuing the enemy of God because you can find yourself in a very, an, an unwanted position. Well, and that's why it's important to be seeking God with all of your heart so that they can give you what you need in the time of need against the enemy. <clears throat> and you're right in saying that we do that our goal is that we're not attacking the enemy, but we are attacking the plan of the enemy. I mean, that's the whole concept of what's going on with this podcast. And what's happening is that we're uh, putting the truth out there which means that the enemy has to go into damage control to anybody who listens. And I can promise you that if you listen to this and you're latching on to it and you're, you're thinking you're going to seek God with all of your heart, then you can expect that you're going to have the enemy speaking to you without you realizing it. Oh, them guys are crazy. They don't know what they're talking about. And then the enemy speaking to you through other people of, well, they don't know what they're talking about. The, the, look at this one verse in the Bible, and it says this, and that's that doesn't agree with what they're saying. And the enemy's going to have to do damage control, but they can do nothing to us outside of the will of God. No weapon formed against us can prosper outside of the will of God. If... God allows the enemy to take my life for a purpose. Doesn't matter. He can't take my salvation. See, this is the beauty part about free will choice. Because not only is it set that God will not force you to do anything, they, they will not, and they cannot because they chose that that's the way it was going to be when they created things, that they will not force you to do anything. If they would, they would force everybody to a place of having salvation, but that's what they gave free will choice. Also, the enemy cannot force you to do anything. That's the beauty part about it. What you do is by your choice. You can blame the enemy. You can blame other people. But the reality is, is that the person who owns the blame is you. And when you recognize that you own the blame, then now it's time to, well, I'm going to be really careful because I don't want to have to answer for anything more than what I already have to answer for. And therefore, I want to be blameless before God. And so I'm going to make sure that I understand what the enemy's schemes are and what they're doing and how they're doing it so I can avoid it. And unfortunately, yeah, people are like, oh, the, the, the devil's a liar. And he doesn't care that, that you tell people that he's a liar because 
he's already got you trapped in the lie. He's already got you where he wants you to where you think you've been saved from something. And it must be God because I was, I was rescued out of this other thing, but you still sin. You still uh, do things inappropriate. You don't, you're not doing it by whatever avenue it was before, but you're doing it from a different avenue, but you're not focusing on those areas. You're focusing on, oh, look, I got away from this other thing. And so, yeah, I, I was saved. Jesus saved me. And, it's, and the enemy is just sitting back chuckling, laughing, because you don't even see that you're still working for me. If you have hatred towards other people, well, I don't hate other people. Yeah, you do. When you are doing stuff from your lower conscience that derives to selfishness, you're hating other people. If you want to love other people, that means you're going to do what's best for them, even if it puts you in a place where you're not comfortable or you don't uh, prefer it. Why? Because you're doing what's best for them, not what's best for you. And there's all kinds of different signs, but if you're not looking for them, if you're not trying to find them, the enemy is going to, you know, somebody hears this message one time and it'll say something that, that their cognitive dissonance is set in that, that speaks completely different to what we say. And the enemy is going to be speaking to them, inciting them against the, the, what's being taught instead of, no, you do a deep study evaluation and you do that study between what the word says and have conversation with God where you can hear their voice and let them give you direction on it before you make a decision of whether you're going to follow something or not. And whether, and again, we don't want you to follow us. We want you to follow God because God is the one that has all the power and the ability to do things. It's the enemy who's who's trying to rob that away from you, but he can't take it if you don't give it. You know, it's like if if somebody's going to, you know, somebody files for a divorce but the other party doesn't doesn't want the divorce, they can't force you to sign papers. It, it's a fact and it's the same thing. The enemy cannot force you to do anything. What you do, you do on your own volition. You do because you choose to do it for whatever reasons coming out of your lower conscience. And you can get to a place where you're doing it truly because it's the right thing to do. But you can't do that without the fullness of faith in God and being able to see and recognize the enemy's schemes, what they're doing, how they're operating and how they're deceiving people into a place where even Messiah said that you're going to believe the lie that the father of lies is putting out there because it feels good. It makes you feel good. Well, I'm going to be saved, but I can still live the same life that I lived before. I can still be a wicked person. Well, I'm, I won't kill anybody or I won't, you know, but your hatred towards somebody already killed them. Messiah made that clear. Messiah made that determination of if you hate somebody, you've committed murder. If you've just lusted after another woman in marriage, 
then you've committed adultery. And so it's just, it's really important for people to stop setting Satan aside. Don't exalt Satan. Don't glorify Satan. But there has to be a recognition of the existence of Satan and that they are very crafty in what they do. And it's very easy for them to deceive anybody who's not truly seeking God with all of their heart. And that seeking has to be a continual thing. Otherwise, the enemy is going to tempt you back to that uh, eventually. Over time, as time has faded, he's going to tempt you back to that alcohol, to that witchcraft, to that drug or whatever it is. And until you find true favor in the eyes of God, it's always a possibility for the enemy to drag you back to it. But even if they don't, they still have you because you don't have true faith in God. So the, the concept for those that listen, that want to know the truth, is that don't exalt the enemy. Uh, don't go to the opposite side and don't completely eliminate the enemy. But definitely do a study through the word of God and have conversation with God for them to tell you exactly how to overcome the enemy. And the only way to do that is you have to have that true faith in Messiah. And then you don't worry about, we don't worry about if somebody doesn't agree with what we're doing, they don't agree with it. It's, I, I, I can't, I can't force anybody to recognize it. I don't want to force anybody to accept it. I just want them to do a, a honest evaluation of the reality of truth and see if it's true or not. And then once you discover the truth of it, then don't let it go. Yeah, like it, it's about like we see in the world, like you have cer certain causes having awareness day. It's just having awareness of it. But then like once you're seeking after truth, what it, it gets to just be aware of it. But it doesn't mean that you think about it all the time. And oh, what's the enemy doing in this or that? Or just say, because what I found is you'll watch videos on YouTube and Facebook and people will make a stance against issues and say that this is wrong and that's wrong and this is right. And but then what other thing are you duped in that doesn't matter how much you scream about this, that the, the enemy still has you stuck in the other. So it doesn't matter. Yeah. You can get all upset and say that the, you know, the transgender agenda and all that's wrong according to the Bible. And okay, that, that's all fine and good. But as long as I can keep you in sin, you can just keep on standing on a soapbox and scream it and yell it and it doesn't matter. Or, you know, why don't you people open your eyes and see the reality, but then, but you're still in the darkness about the true reality of this. And um, I watched this movie recently, Phil, you may know this from um, your days. Well, probably you, this was after um, when you were younger, but have you ever heard of a movie called All the President's Men from the 70s? Well, I, I just had this line come to mind on this in that he was coming to, there was a guy named Deep Throat that was in the um, one of his sources. And in the movie, if those of you have not heard of it, it's about the Watergate scandal. Well, it made me think of this with the, the devil and the schemes and the truth of God is that, you know, he came to him and he says, you know, I don't want hints. I want you to tell me what you know. And he says, 
you know, and he would, you know, tell him a little bit and he would say, you're missing the overall. And he's like, yeah, but this and the FBI and he's like, you're missing the overall. Yes, they were doing these things, but you're missing the overall. And it made me think of this is that, yeah, you, yeah, that, yeah, this person did this and the enemy's doing that. But with the truth of God, you can look at it and say, here's the overall of it. The enemy is trying to keep you in sin. And as long as you're sinning, you're not of God. So just, that's the overlining scheme is he's coming to keep sin in its place. And he doesn't want people to depart from sin. So as long as you're sinning, he's got you. So find the place where you can get sin taken out of your heart and get it to your body of flesh so that you can walk as Messiah did then. Because in Messiah, Messiah has destroyed the devil's work, which is to keep people in sin. So don't miss the overall. Don't get caught up in, yeah, you're getting these things, but he's just like, don't miss the, and that's the big picture is Jacques can help you see, do you see that with this message and these other religions that, you know, Christianity, whatever, they have pieces of it, but what's the overall deception in this is the enemy is going to keep people sinning and therefore that's going to keep them out of the kingdom of God. So his ultimate scheme is to keep people in sin. And once you recognize that, then you can see that the work of Messiah was to do away with sin to get away from sin and ultimately get sin out of your heart, which is your very being will now be godly because mother will enter. That's the overall. So get the big picture so that you can then get more details. But what happens is, is as long as you don't see the big picture and you don't know why I'm doing this, then I've got you. So you can, yeah, get all upset over these issues, but you know, just, I've got you. Yeah. It's, Unfortunately, too many people uh, don't care to think about Satan. Don't, and, and these are people who claim some sort of faith in God that they're not accepting that there even is this Satan. Well, does Satan really exist? Or is this, you know, I mean, well, it's a way to excuse your behavior because, again, Satan doesn't care if you know they exist as long as you're not knowing what their schemes and what their plans are and how they distort and twist people against God. And they do it because Satan himself and the angels were there at the beginning. So Satan and the fallen angels, they know what the truth of God is. And they know that all it takes is just a slight modification because if you take a straight line that's level and you knock it off just one sixteenth or one 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 hundredth of an inch, <clears throat> how far off is it going to be in a hundred miles? And then the farther it goes, the farther off it gets. But it's that slow fade. It's just enough to get you to fade away from the truth of God. And once you fade away, then, okay, well, I got you to fade here, so we're just going to tweak it a little bit more, and we're going to bend it a little bit more. And then the farther you go, the quicker they can bend it. They, they can add more extreme to it the farther you go in that slow fade. That slow fade actually starts to pick up pace because it's what you're believing now. It's what you're accepting. And it's the enemy. The, 
people don't realize that the enemy can appear to you as another human being. And you not even know it. Yeah, you never know when you're entertaining angels. Right. And, and if the, all of them are angels, you have the angels that stayed with Yah, and you have the fallen angels, but they all have the same abilities. So they can transform into this life in order to uh, deceive you to they could put somebody hateful in front of you or they could appear to you as somebody hateful. And then, you know, that person goes away and you never see them again, but it, it already made a mark within you. And so it's important to understand that some of the things that we should look for uh, to see the enemy is that there are demons and they're fallen angels, so there are some unclean spirits, so that you have spirits that are going to be talking to you that are unclean that give that appearance of light. Uh, we need to remember that angels can cross dimensions, uh, you know, for God's work, and we can also believe that they can cross dimensions for their own work as well. Uh, Angels can take any form to do the will of God. So we understand that fallen angels can take the form to deceive. Uh, they can speak to you in thought. Uh, there, there's many different ways that the enemy comes at you. And I'll give you a scripture that I came across when I was, uh, and I can't, remember exactly where it is. Sean might remember when I bring it up. Um, but it speaks about testing the spirits. Sean, do you know where For, that reference is? It's in First John. So in First John, it talks about testing the spirits. And any spirit that says that Messiah came in the flesh is of God. A any spirit that says that Messiah hasn't come in the flesh is not of God. And it's simple that when you're hearing voices in your head and you want to try to determine whether that spirit is from God or from the enemy, and you really need to be doing this with a seeking with all of your heart uh, in order for you to really be able to discern and understand, but the reality is, and don't use the name Jesus when you do it, because the Jesus that has been taught in this world is completely different than the Jesus that's in the Bible, the way they translated Jesus. It's the Son of God. And so I would recommend, instead of saying, did Jesus come in the flesh, that you would say, did, you know, just whatever spirit it is that's talking to you, did Messiah come in the flesh? Did the Son of God come in the flesh? And that spirit, if it's the spirit of the enemy, has to answer no. It, 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 it's an absolute. The word wouldn't say that you'd be able to test the spirits if you couldn't test the spirits. So you have a way in the word that tells you how to test the spirits of, of both God and the fallen angels because the fallen angels don't want to admit that Messiah came in the flesh because then that answers a question for you that they don't want to answer. So they're going to say, no, he didn't, even though they know the truth is 
that he did. But make sure that you're not using the specific name Jesus when you say it, when you when you test these spirits. Make sure you're using Messiah, the true Son of God. And you, at first, you may question yourself as to whether, you know, was that me? Did I answer that? Type, But eventually you get to see that, wow, all the answers that are yes ended up being right and appropriate and so definitely from God. And it could be something that might be pleasing to you in the flesh that you want to test the spirit on. Don't just test the spirits on things where you're like, well, I'm not sure if this is evil or not. No, test everything. Take every thought captive and put it through the test. Did Messiah come in the flesh? And if that spirit is from God, they will say yes. And they may add, yes, Messiah came in the flesh, or yes, the Son of God came in the flesh. However, but it's important that people know that you have a chance, you have an ability to speak to these spirits that are speaking to you And then what happens is as you continue to do this and you continue to study it, you start to be able to distinguish between the voices of the fallen angels and the voices of God's angels. And then you start to distinguish between the voice of God to the voice of the the enemy. And it's just a, a process of growth, but in order to do it, you, you, you have to be in a place where you've surrendered yourself completely to God to really want to know the truth, and that's what you're seeking. Otherwise, it's not going to benefit you to do anything from that perspective. Uh, so for people who listen, who want to know the truth, who want to see the things of God— Seek with all of your heart and make that a circular perspective that once you start it, you're never going to quit. And then when you do, then go through the process of learning what you need to learn, learning how to test the spirit so that you can know that what you're doing is appropriate according to God. And then there are other times where something will happen and you automatically know that it was wrong. But then Unfortunately, then we go to, we justify it by somebody else's actions or somebody else's words or, you know, well, you made, you forced me to get mad and no, no, that's the beauty part about God was they gave you free will choice. Yes, they put sin into the world, but it serves a purpose so that you could have a choice, but they also put salvation in the world. So it's up to you. Nobody can blame God for why you don't end up in the kingdom. The blame will only be to you and you alone. And that's the the reality of it. And too many people don't see the spiritual battle, don't recognize that it's raging on, and they don't see it because it's not a battle like you see people being shot and, and killed on the battlefield. It's a slow fade where I'm coming in as your friend and we're all buddies and everything's great. And then I'm going to slit your throat. 
Because think about it. What is the best way for me to destroy you if I want to really destroy you? Is it to do it from an external perspective or do it from an internal perspective? Because I'm going to come in and you see it happen sometimes in mafia families. Yeah, they had some uh, sometimes when other people from the outside took it upon themselves to go after those people. But the ones that they were more leery of were the ones that were coming at them from the inside, the ones that, well, they want to be the boss. And so I've got to be, uh, I've got to be careful who my friends are because your friends will end up being your enemies. And that's what the enemy doesn't want you to know is that they're going to be your friend and they're going to make it feel good. They're going to make it feel like everything's great, but don't ignore the signs that tell you that it's not okay. The, the sign of, you know, you're doing things that are sinful but you excuse it because, well, Jesus died on the cross for our sins, so he took away our sin. No. No, he died to show you how to crucify yourself, to hang yourself on your own cross. And when you kill that self within your lower conscience, then you have the ability to do what Messiah did. Well, you know what? This came to mind, that people know that, the, that Satan exists. It's just one of those they don't recognize it. Have you ever heard this statement? Oh, yeah, that person's struggling with all kinds of demons. Well, a falling angel is a demon, so you know that, but are they going to point it to Satan? No, what? Because do people say, man, people are just struggling with all kinds of angels? No, they would say demons because they got the demon of alcoholism or they'll put a blame on something else. Well, it's the demon's fault or whatever. It's like, no, no, it's your choice. You you chose to do those things and you just have to deal with it. But yeah, like you said, it's good to, um, obviously, because y'all wants us to, and we want to as well, but to talk about this so that people can be thinking about this, because as we go along with the gospel message, we'll be bringing out the gospel more and more. And that's crazy. Those people, you know, the false teacher. Well, where does that come from? Well, these are false. You need to tell them because they're, they're just wrong in what they're doing. You need to tell them now and and you don't even realize it. And and that's how it's those things is because the enemy will work in somebody's cognitive dissonance. Oh, you got can't tell me that God isn't love. And because remember we had somebody come into our gathering a few times and a member of their family said, well, they're not going to celebrate Christmas. And well, you better get away from that. Well, what voice is that? Well, yeah. Cause if God, would God really want you not to be with your family? And yeah, you know, yeah, that's true. That, that's a good point. And then, all right, gotcha. Instead of, no, I'm not listening to that. You know, that's not the voice of God that, okay, well, and then I'll get something else that'll know. Cause if somebody's steadfast that, no, I don't care. No, I'm going after this with everything. That's the person that's going to find it because the enemy will keep coming with something else or, well, nine o'clock is really late and I got to go to work. Oh, got you there. Well, I'm going to, I'll get up early and I'll be too tired and oop, got you there. You know, so it, it's all over the place. And even with us too, you know, you have from your programming things you don't see of, well, I'm this or that, or, oh, well, no, 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 nope. Nope, not listen. That's that's from my lower conscience, not doing that. So, yeah, th- this definitely is work. And I've had that experience myself of ask, asking the spirits those questions, and they will answer that, yes, the Son of God did come in the flesh because 
think of this other scripture that let your yes be yes and your no, no, because anything else is from the evil one. So if, well, you know, really that, all right, well, that's not from God then because you're trying to dupe me here or that. So it is a way to begin the practice of that and do, do what the word says. Say, hey, did Yeshua come in the flesh? And you'll hear clearly, yes, because that's absolutely true. And the the demon that is coming to you in lies will not say the truth. So they have to say no or not. And I'll put this out there too. If you get no answer, then that's an answer as well. Like if you hear nothing and you're just silence, okay, well, because why would not the spirit of Yah or um, a spirit that's for Yah say, yes, I have no problem saying that as opposed to you just hear silence and because I don't want to say, well, then that tells me. All right, Sean. Well, you you know as well as I do, we could talk this. Mid, midnight falling out the window. Yeah, I mean, it's just like every other aspect of God. There's there's so much to it, and there's so much that we haven't touched on. But I think that's a good stopping point. You want to sign us off for this for this morning? Well, you never know in the future could be for this evening if we keep going for a while. But no, I just uh, we're very you know appreciative of y'all allowing us to do this and. Uh, wherever you are in different parts of the world, it's probably lunchtime or after that. So wherever you're listening to us or if you get to listen later, uh, just ask that those that are seeking with all their heart that really want this, uh, yeah, I just ask that you'll help them and guide them to understand your truth. And, um, you know, just very grateful to be able to do this. We have a uh, email address if you'd like to send us an email. And the email is hidden treasures with an S revealed at aol.com and we also have a facebook page hidden treasures revealed and you'll know it when you find it it'll be a white background and it'll have an anchor on there and um we'll have um at times we'll you know put the um, podcast link on there and uh, there's times where we'll have some messages and things so check that out if you have a moment but um just encourage those that are seeking with all your heart just continue to do it and uh, you'll find the truth of god when you you know do what the word says to do and just hope everybody that's listening in that this uh, message will bless you and help you to find the truth of God more and more. So everybody have a great day. Thank you for joining us today on Hidden Treasures Revealed. We want to leave you with this thought. The greatest treasure in life, and especially in faith, is discovery. If we try to convince you of things, you may gain head knowledge, But if we let you discover things, you will have heart knowledge to know and understand and be able to give a good answer for the faith that you have. Treasure hunters seek treasure nonstop. Seek the treasure of God through conversation with them and through their word. Ask, seek, and knock. Ask, and you will receive. Seek, and you will find. Knock and the door will be open to you. Seek the hidden treasure of God and you will be blessed by it.